0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's a conversation with Agility by Nature, and I'm hosting today. uh, My name's Ian Gill. Um, As usual, we get to talk to fabulous practitioners in the world of change and transformation, particularly around technology and digital. The world of work, particularly in technology, seems to have a whole bunch of newer characters joining. We have scrum masters, we have product owners, we have release train engineers. I don't remember hearing about them in the early part of my career, but they've become quite firmly part of the fabric of change and technology change. I've also seen a lot of words around coaching and coaches and agile coaches and consultants. I wonder more about what they do and what they're qualified to do and and what's their different distinctive roles. Has there been a blurring between the coach and the scrum master, for example? Fortunately, today's guest has been at the cutting edge of lots of the lean and transformation changes. Um, he's worked in an enormously great range of companies such as Vodafone, O2, Ladbrokes, m News International, Singapore Airlines. He is also the founder and entrepreneur of Henco. He's a digital transformation coach. He's got a great passion for helping businesses. Today's guest is Philippe Genet. Hi, Philippe, how are you? Hello. Hello. Hello, and
1: as you can tell, I'm actually in the UK, but <laughs> the accent is not quite from here.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's um, and, and one of the great things about the show is we do get a very diverse range of accents and people from around the world. Some are in the UK, some are not, but no, welcome. Really pleased to, to, to uh, talk to you. Um,
1: Likewise. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, very pleased. So you, you you you've got a great career. I mean, you're, you're more independent now, but uh, you were at Sapient for a good long time. And I guess you was it really in that white heat of working with all these large companies that helped form some of your views about companies and how they should organize and how they should
1: do work. Um. Yes, yes. I mean, your experience is the place you come from in a way. So it's always the the mix. Me- of all those things that make it up mm. and i i'm not uh i mean you mentioned sapient uh which you know is a very interesting company yeah yeah and uh i think it, it was a very unique company uh when i was there and yes that certainly marked um, some of my thinking more so probably than any other company i worked for and I think uh, that that culture, they had really a special culture, uh, very, very very true to the values, which today I find in my coaching role. I don't think I've ever seen a company that was as true to its value. Values were in everything. And, um, and to this day, still, I still take them as an example. So <laughs> generally I don't talk about names of, of clients, definitely not. No. Um, and I don't, don't don't tend to necessarily give much insight, but this company actually had a, even a case study done uh, as part of the MBA curriculum in Yale Uni. Right. Um, about you know its core values, so it's it's a very very interesting one. So that
0: sounds like a good trade, and you're actually quite a senior there as well, weren't you? Chief uh, acting chief technology uh, officer at. Uh... Um,
1: I was. I was acting as CTO in the UK, but I was more. Uh, I mean, I was a director of technology. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, and you were there for a long time, so quite a lot of change in both the technology that we were working with, but also the techniques to deploy and work with that technology as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Absolutely. It what was the, the big the... days of e-commerce and so on when I was there.
0: Actually, e-commerce seemed to be quite um, a large feature of some of your early work, from what I could tell.
1: Yes, yes, and then I moved more into banking after that. Yeah. Um. The the idea of e-commerce is um, e-commerce. You know, was probably a bit more package driven. Hmm. Mm. Whereas banking is more custom software development, especially the large banks. Yeah. Although that's that's looking to change now. Uh they all package underlying, but a lot of the the, the the infrastructure, the traders and so on use on the day-to-day are more or more custom made, or even you know, finance and different areas of the bank uh, tend to be custom made. So this calls for a new software development technique and integrating business and software development very closely which is at the end of the day what digital is about yeah yeah um and and, and it makes for for a very iterative way of working whereas packages you kind of configure them and, and yeah. it's always a bit of a of a big sort of bank delivery yeah, yeah. but that, that's the evolution as well in terms of ways of working uh, from e-commerce to the banking there was an evolution of ways of working at the same time
0: yeah I, now i mentioned coaching and consulting you, you are now an independent you are a consultant you are a coach and you know we get into some of the, the, the techniques of you but you're actually certified um and i think this is interesting you know, i see a lot of people called coaches but then i look for the badge that tells me why do i know they are a good coach or a coach at all uh, you're certified icf systemic coach with uh, the organization relationship system coaching was it important to you to get that evidence and that training to become a coach or is it something you were just attracted to and you, you 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 picked it up as you went along
1: actually i am I'm, I'm i'm not a fan of certifications <laughs> and okay. i and that's that's also why i haven't uh, i haven't done a, a whole long list of Scrum yeah. and, and, and yep. so on, certifications. Um, but coaching, I mean, the, and I, I would say there's proper certifications in coaching that are, are, are a long journey. And it's a journey where it's not just you show up for a course and you get a badge, yeah. or you pass a test and you get a badge. It is actually a journey where you're going to have a lot of hours you know, you're talking 200 hours or, or thereabout, and, and you need to also show practice evidence mm-hmm. with recordings in which people tell you, you know, what you done good, what you can improve, and, and then you have to pass, basically based on um, how, how you apply all those concepts and so on, in real practice with real people. Yeah. Um, and it felt like it, it's more of a of a journey and it's a journey which is also important when you work with clients it's not about judging at a point in time where you're whether you you actually you know you got it right or wrong it's actually a journey of development and at some point yes you, you kind of pass the stage and, and I appreciate that and um I think the, the sort of agile landscape has confused a bit what coaching was about mm. and and everybody wants to have you no know, certification badge and yeah. and and a lot of people once you get into that, you start trying to collect all of them yeah um, but because you pass a test doesn't mean you you're able to practice and I think the, the there's a lot to learn from genuine coaching framework practices with the likes of ICF or, or vetted under ICF uh, and I also work with cognitive edge and you can see you know kinevin at the back yeah, yeah. Uh, we're all taking an um, an interesting uh, you know take on it where it's about apprenticeship yes and you you just need to be you know working with them uh, engage with them uh, commenting contributing delivering some stuff sometimes observing and giving feedback and 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 you grow as part of that yeah and i think that's something we don't do enough of you know people are very attracted with oh i do a three-day course i'm going and i'm gonna get that badge you know and that gets me right it's not what it's about i think and, and we need to go back to it, it's about a uh, You know skills and and you know you had craftsmen that were doing things with their hands and you know crafting you know stones or carving and so on and and they would and and even normal trades they would learn for a very long time Mm. with practitioners and they will learn the theory and then put it in practice and evolve with it and 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 that's what we're doing with knowledge people yeah at the end of the day and and I think for, for doing knowledge work, it's more about uh, how you react to situation how you make sense of situations. And, and all this is, yes, you need to have some fundamentals, but it's a lot about how can you recognize things in practice? And I think that that's what we need to do a lot more of. Mm. And, and the idea of journeys of apprenticeship, which coaching was a bit about, uh, rather than you know, showing up and, and getting a badge, I think is is as a lot of value is something I subscribe a lot more to.
0: I, I, I'm glad you 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 explained it that in that detail because I I want to think about if if you are an organisation you are the CEO you are the whoever is promoting transformation. Very often I think perhaps they leap to the frameworks. Um, safe looks mm. like the thing I want. Let me find safe people and scrub and so on and so forth. Um, I wonder if actually we'd say change is a journey and we think about the actors that are going to help us on that journey a little bit more than perhaps happen so if I'm starting out fresh I could be seeing consultants and coaches and, and all sorts of people what roles and training courses of course how do how do I as a sort of new to transformation think about well do I need consultants do I need coaches do I need training how do I unpick those different actors because you've got a command over those sort of discipline for want of a better word
1: yeah and and i'd say the third sensor to that is you need to be involved yeah and and the danger is to think oh i need to find the people to bring and to change the rest yeah but actually no you need to change yourself as well okay because and the higher people are the more influence they have on the system of work and it's likely that they are actually holding the system in a certain way. The things are optimized in a certain way. And we're looking to, to change that dynamic, to optimize in a different way. And sometimes it's not completely just about optimizing, it's allowing ourselves space to explore as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the budgeting cycle, if you're about cutting costs, you're not allowing yourself to explore. And no matter how agile your people are going to be working, they're not going to explore innovation. And at the end of the day, you can train them as much as you want, you can certify them as much as you want, unless you give them a headroom. And unless you understand that, it's very, very difficult to make it work. And I think that's where it starts, is you, know, you need to get involved. At the end of the day, agile is, you know, the manifesto is not that big. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you look at the enterprise and you think, are we true to those principles? Do we believe that's true, even? And unless we are aligned as an entire enterprise, under this, believing it's true, then why are we even starting that journey? Mm, mm. And, and, and honestly, well, yes, you can go and, and train because some practices are, are useful. And, and when you go a bit at scale, it's also useful to have everybody on the same language, everybody on the sort of same cadence. You know, safe, for instance, one great thing about it is, it creates the PI cadence, which brings a cadence. Eventually, you want to accelerate that cadence, but you need cadences. And you need to find the cadences comfortable to the business. So do you need to actually deliver software every day or change every day for the business? Or, are you okay with every week or every two weeks or every three months, so you can you can adjust that cadence, also you need to recognize where you are because sometimes yes, you would like to do that but if if you can't deliver software that frequently well that's the first thing you need to address and 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 the agility journey needs to go hand in hand with a devops journey so Only when you are in the details of that, you start realizing where we got limiting constraints and we can have what you call in complexity enabling constraints. And we play between those to actually change our system of work. And, you know, journeys are, can be a lot simplified when you do that. Because the challenge of, of, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, failed transformation and so on. What's failed about it? <laughs> How would you know yeah. to ask your money back? Yeah, but what's failed about it? You, know, yeah. you had an idea. Did that person have the same idea of it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and did you actually enable the things to happen? Yeah. Or, and, and was that congruent in the way you were deploying it? And I think we see a lot of that at the moment where uh, people are saying, well, it doesn't work and so on. And you know i've seen enterprises where yes and, and there's a big debate about the scaling frameworks as well you know is is releasing every three months the best you can do? Probably not, but is that a better place than you were before? Yes, it is mm-hmm. okay so you you've gone onto a journey and then let's figure out what's what's the next levels of that journey mm-hmm. and and what we see is is people maybe haven't really figured out where do you go next. And and that's where people are thinking, well, was it what it was all about, really? Mm-hmm. So so there's a bit of that in the air at the moment. And, and
0: and and is the consultant persona telling you what the world could or should look like and the and the coach is helping you on that journey by open questions? I'm I'm sort of curious about what persona- That's a
1: very interesting point that and that, that's the that's defining moment for me as yeah. well. So I'll, I'll take a bit of time to, to answer this one and, and go back to, I've done 23 years in consulting. Yes. And I'm a recovering consultant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to say that. i borrow that term to, uh, to somebody I really uh, regard in high respect called Simon Wardley. Um, oh, right, yes. So he he, oh, he oh, talks oh, about yeah so he talks about being a recovering consultant mm-hmm. um, so'm i'm'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cons- i was a consultant and i've been um, I've, I've got the gray hairs now uh, to to actually talk about how it used to be and how it evolved and and consulting a long time back was about basically bringing expertise that as an organization you had created and 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 offering some level of certainty to your clients yeah. based on repeating that expertise. And, and that works very well in a space that doesn't, you know, evolve so fast and in a space that is not necessarily that much about innovation because innovation, what you want is, is something different. You don't want something that has been done 10 times. You want something new. Yeah. And, then, what happened to in consulting is that, that the you know software has become more prevalent everywhere, and uh, the idea of reducing the cost because software has always been seen as a cost um, reducing the cost has has led a lot of people to actually outsource to uh, cheaper location you know far shoring and, and near shoring. And initially, the, the enterprises, the, the clans, did not set up their own uh, setup in different locations. They used suppliers to do that. And, and the consulting world has, has very quickly evolved to a delivery world, uh, you know, giving access to cheaper locations. And as part of this, it has commoditized itself. Okay. And, and a lot of, of the consulting generally went uh, for, for volume doing this. And now what we're seeing is that the clients uh, have a desire and a need to reintegrate their ability to deliver software. Because software, digital, is actually a part of the value chain of their business. Yeah. Increasingly so whether it's part of the product, whether it's how you bring the product to your customers, whether it's how you advertise yourself, all those things become completely integrated when they were bolted to the side before. Yeah. And, and that integration means that they need to actually, part of the differentiation is the ability to have a value chain that would deliver differentiated offerings. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you outsource that, you constrain your ability to change and evolve. Yeah. So there's there's a need to reintegrate that competency. And what we're seeing is a large client still you know, have a geography play. And now it becomes also a, a finding talent play, we're going into multiple geographies. Uh, but they install their own setup. And, and that's this challenging consulting, because you know, they, they were offering just that. Um, I think consulting as a whole needs to redefine itself. And the danger is when the clients are trying to reintegrate that capability, there are elements that are known and elements that other people would have done where consulting is useful. But consulting is ephemeral, it's temporary because it's giving that to the client for them to do it. So that's that's a bit of a challenge for consultants to think. Well, I'm going to giving away the way we do things for the IP to walk myself out of the door. That's yeah. a bit of a problem. Yeah. And 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 I think the clients need to also uh, reintegrate the ability to function like this. And and to do this, you know, it means attracting talents in software. Uh, it means Uh, organizing the work it means basically uh managing the talents or leading the talents and and in knowledge work you talk more about leading rather than managing and and how you create the whole leadership in the organization that is both you know driving the intent but allowing the emergence as well and suddenly it redefines a lot of organizations and and and, and integrating you know, the, the delivery element and, and that becomes creative, that becomes emergence, that becomes you know, a potential, it's, it's not easy. And, and the consultants have not really been there to do that and nor should they be, because this is, this is part of the differentiation. How are you gonna organize that is part of the differentiation of an organization. And that's why the leadership needs to be very involved in it. In defining it, in, in walking the walk of it, uh, in in actually evolving it, in adapting it. And that's where they need help. And the help is more of a coach. It's yeah. not somebody that yes. is gonna you know roll their sleeve and do it, it's somebody that is gonna be. Uh, guiding in a way that is you know, bringing some concepts, but then holding people to see what they can make of the concepts and helping them with some patterns. It is also, you know, in many cases, whole systems of people, you yeah. know, teams teams of teams or, or leaders, it, it's new. It's something that you know, has an edge. It's something that they're not willing to go. It's not natural. So in here, you know, there's an element, of pure coaching, where it's recognizing those things and recognizing where the mental barriers in selves as well as in teams are actually blocking the progress. And generally with those things in coaching, when people are aware of that mental barrier, it's already lowering it. And then it's helping them through that. So it's really assisting the journeys of change through coaching. Uh, And sometimes the coaching is is pure coaching for all the the emotional side, because change is not just rational, it's emotional as well. And and sometimes to deal with the rational side in a way that is not, here is the answer, but in a way, here are some patterns, here are some things and let's let's help you figure what can you make of that and when the people are part of that journey change is so much easier so much easier because the buying in there the you know the engagement is there the understanding is there and the alignment is there and and when i mean alignment it's it's about it's all right to have conflict and and you know things we 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 coach is it's okay to have conflict conflict is something is waiting to happen conflict is creative and emergent the danger with conflict is when we're not skilled to handle it right and and when you try and exit it with a consensus that is lowering you know that is trying to make things equal alignment is different than consensus and, and in, the, in the complex world where there is nothing other than, I refer to this here, complex world, that's, that's a language, yeah. where, where there is no non cause to effect. You know, you're know, launching that product to the market. You don't know if the customers are going to buy it or not. And, and it's everybody pulls together to figure, let's understand which customers will buy it. Let's understand the signals that are telling us, yes, it's going to be a success or not. Yeah. But we all align to that. And people may be saying it's better that way, it's better that way. There's no way to know, but to try. So mm-hmm. shall we try both ways? Mm-hmm. How do we learn what works best? How we learn maybe both ways are okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a question of, 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 of getting people to work as a system, to align as a system, but also to recognize that there are things we can't possibly know. And when that happens, the answer is not to stop and overanalyze what is the right way, which is a traditional certainty we're yeah. trying to create around things. The answer is let's try and, as simply as possible, test the number of options we have as probes. And, and from that, let's, let's figure how we organize to make decisions as we go along. And fundamentally, this is what Agile is about. Mm-hmm. It's not about doing sprints. <laughs> it's about understanding the complexity we're dealing with and adapting the way we work to make decisions as we learn and as the complexity actually unfolds in front of us. And, and that's that's a big, big change. And organizations need to figure out to function like that. Um, and and coaching is here to help them out. It is their organization, it is their decisions. It is something that touches the leadership you know, from the top to the, to the people doing the work. It is mutual, it is not just cascading, it is also emergent. How do you manage all that? How you redefine organizations like that? Yeah. And how you help them through that journey? And, and there is no set recipes. There are some patterns, but no set recipes.
0: Yeah. That was a wonderful um, dissection, I think, of the, Thank you. Of the coach. And, and, and I'm glad you, you went through it because it picked out a few things in my mind. First of all, it's sounded very intimate. Um, it's not an arm's length thing. If you, if you are in charge of an organisation, you want change. Uh, you are part of that change. You have to change. Potentially, you have to change. Uh, and so you're looking for someone who you can work with, who can help you. Make the change, but also be changed yourself. That's a very intimate relationship.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and it is, and you know, working with senior people. You know, and I've been in a senior position myself, um, and I was putting it to to a person I was I was working with, who was my my lead in uh, in Poland. I was saying, well, sometimes leadership is when you turn back, you know, turn to somebody for for help or for an opinion, even, and there is nobody.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: uh, uh, yeah. And and it is a lonely place. Leadership is a lonely place, and you know, sometimes as a coach, you just 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 hear for that. Yeah. And 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 you bring some challenges. I mean, I've I've had, uh, you know, I have worked. Recently I did quite a lot of work in a bank and and uh, as a send-off, you know, people do a kudo board and, and some of those quotes I'm I'm reusing for my site actually because they're already touching. Yeah. And I had another another person I was working with that that you know sort of reflected back and just unprompted sending me a note saying I was reflecting back you now four years ago when we worked together, you know, that situation was like that. And, and, you know, all those people have been on a personal journey where they had doubts, where, you know, maybe they knew what they knew and they were happy with this, but they can all, they all say that the system has evolved and I have changed as well. Yeah. And, and one of the best compliments I got and from a number of people was you got us to think differently. And that is for me, the, the, key, the key element is you're building the competency in the people. And that is very intangible. But when people start telling you, you got us to think differently, that means you're achieving what you're here to do. Yeah, yeah. You open a, you're opening the horizons, you're giving some hints and tips, you're bringing those sort of perspective, you, you're going back certain to some key concepts. You know, agile is not about doing sprint. Agile is about adapting to an unfolding complexity. Yes, yes. And and when people recalibrate their views like that, and you explain, you help them finding, what does that mean in the day to day? And how are we going to still be able to do some planning? How do we drive a strategy? How do we? and, And what you find is there's cadence in everything at the end of the day. But we need to have the cadence of the discipline of adopting the cadence. And, and I think people, when they start growing to that, uh, it makes for a very healthy working system. And I was lucky to, I mean, some of the, the, the latest work I've done, and maybe it's because, you know, I'm, I'm a new I'm kind of starting, doing those concepts and so on, and, I, and it's new, and the people have attracted to it first were the people that were more sort of inclined to experiment uh, but i 've been extremely lucky to find in you know, a really nice working environment that we make even better and we're buy it nicer yeah uh, but that, that's that's that 's you know all credit to the people i worked with it's uh, it 's been good i mean
0: you 're right about um you know, we work with clients very often it 's what they share with us which is very personal incredibly confidential and that just you know we don't even share the, some of the conversations we have with our clients with each other internally. Um, there is a very uh, discreet relationship and you know, you've got to be confidential. But you're right. I think a lot of people don't understand what's in it. What is it about agile coaching? So it's good money or whatever it is. But actually the reward of seeing someone change and do something new and say, I'm better and I want to do this now. This is the way I want to be. That change that you've helped facilitate is, is an incredible reward. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, And precious, very precious. Yeah,
1: And it puts, you know, I think it's the same thing for all enterprise, all the things people do. There is a meaning behind it. Yes. And 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 I think, you know, we say all those millennials and, you know, seeing my kid on PlayStation, whatever I do, and so on. Sometimes you're like, oh, my God, what's going to (laughs) happen? But, you know, the kids and And the younger generations probably have more and and there's reasons for it that can be explained as well, probably, but um they seem to be more attracted to having meaning in what they do mm. and it's not so much about money you know I've seen engineers uh, that and for them what they were paid, as long as they were not completely underpaid, what they were paid didn't matter so much. They just wanted to make sure that they will never be left behind with the kind of work they were doing. Yeah. And that's understandable when technology moves that fast. And I think I'm equally I've seen, I've seen also companies where they could not attract talents anymore. And I think that's something way underestimated in the market right now. Mm. If you cannot attract talent, you're going to have to get contractors and contractors, even the contracting market is now getting completely disseminated. Um, and and you're going to have to build teams with externals that's, or consultancies that is going to be much more expensive. And you can carry on running your business like that. Mm. And Sometimes, you know, you're already financially strapped. Mm. And I'm thinking about the large retailers and so on at the moment. And, and, you know, isn't it ironic that 10, 15 years ago, the high street retailers will tell you, yeah, e-commerce is tiny. You know, my business is the high street. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't pay attention to that small e-commerce business. You know, when the high street is making so much money, why would, why should I? And now they now they're telling Amazon is, is killing their business and ASOS and so on. And and at the end of the day, it's it's been quite 10-15 years. You could see it coming, but people were not motivated to look at that.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: And and I think uh and, and it's you know I think the rationals were all there. So either there was something missing in the way they were looking at strategy and understanding how things will unfold or actually you know they were not interested period and they were just here for the short term. Mm.
0: Um,
1: is it also possibly that amongst that those
0: constraints that, that it was it was bloody hard to change because they were retail and banks famously do have quite a lot of it technology and it's quite old legacy and changing it and moving it is risky, expensive, and hard. And when things are hard, people don't necessarily push as hard against it. And it's easier to stay in the in the known safe place of what I've got. But what's the alternative? I totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, I have worked in retail, and someone said, well, to change that system, it costs us 3 million. And thought, well, that's then, there's your budget. Thank you very much. You don't need to budget very hard.
1: And, and <laughs> then you get you know, three guys in the garage that that create, you know, Amazon or whatever it is, but yeah, yeah. that that creates something. And I think sometimes there is an element where they have to to reflect back on, you know, how how we organize. And yes, in in a lot of organizations, there's a lot of legacies, and it's not like you can wipe it away. No, nope. but nope. sometimes there's a lot cleverer way to go about it. Yeah, and and the the drama is that the people at the top look at it and say I'm pouring money into this and it's not shifting no and the people you know doing the work are genuinely doing the best work they can yeah for what they are here to do so at the end of the day it's a question of alignment and and very often you know I've 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 had the interesting experience of of having two large part of an organization coming together, and the way they were managed, you know, from kind of the top and planning, yeah, was not going to, you know, it was going too big now. Yeah. So we had to rethink how do we organized, and we pivoted to value streams. And and very often what you see is, you know, you you organize by silos. Yeah. And and. And those silos have to come together as a project to deliver something and the mobilization and assembling and and from you know when you do more sort of the likes of you know agile and, and safe and so on you're going to pivot as well so things are shifting around you have a lot of moving parts and you're completely focused on coordinating that execution and the idea of value stream is let's restabilize to to what we can see stable what we call products, what is actually something that is staying here. And let's rethink how we bring the work in. So we evolve the product to a need or a demand. And, you know, then you restabilize the system, of course, you know, there's things in a more agile ways. Yeah, maybe we need to prioritize that now. Okay, so how do we build flex into an organization that persists a bit longer? And yes, yeah, sometimes you have to go as far as that. But nobody doing the work can actually make that level of change. Yeah. yeah. And and the people at, at the top really need to think: How we going to completely change our mind about how we see the organization of work? And sometimes, it's, well, but that guy has been. You know, taking that role and this one, taking that role and this lady as well, because yeah. of course the, I've been taking that role. So there are so many people at all in role, and the organization is sort of settled because we don't want to upset that. Yeah, and people, you know, have been working out to have those roles, and they don't want to change them either. Yeah. And in some cases, it is potentially a case as well to say, well, is it constructive dismissal in the extreme case? Um and but organization need to evolve and adapt. Yeah. So and, and agile, honestly, I mean, I've been in a in, in a in a client situation once where we didn't get the, the work, but they had an organization and they wanted to do more the agile thing. And and so what happened is they created a product or a new product organization in between the technology and the business. Oh. So instead of bringing technology and business together, they created a new organization, a new silo in between. Right. Okay. Rather than try and align that horizontally. Yeah. yeah. No. And, and there was actually, you know, people have settled in place and that was untouchable.
0: Right okay
1: we're gonna to have to be agile with that organization in place because we all settled our world we don't want that to change and you know if if you're not ready to adapt your organization and to change it frequently not massive change but to adapt along the way and try things out uh and and have the culture as well to say you know Yes, you were in this role, that could have been an important role, but there's not a need for that anymore. Let's let's figure out how, how you participate in the rest now. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult, it's very difficult because you need to touch things like that.
0: That's fascinating.
1: Um, I,
0: one of things you said earlier, and you mentioned the word cadence quite often, and I think many people can understand release cadence from a, an IT team. From an executive team, what does cadence mean at that top level?
1: It's, I mean, actually, executives should worry about the release cadence. Absolutely. <laughs> and and if you look at something called the that was a DORA report that is now the Accelerate report, right? Uh, they do a broad correlation between the ability of organization to release frequently. And their success and their growth in the digital world, mm-hmm. so as an executive, you should read that yeah and and that means you should care about the ability to release on a cadence because that's the heartbeat of it and if if you're familiar with the theory of constraint uh, from you know Eli Godrat, and I really recommend that book you know the goal yeah. Yep. Um, it basically explains that um, your all, the whole system is cadenced by its weakest link. Weakest link. Yeah. So what happens, and you know, a lot of that has applied in manufacturing, uh, where you seek for the single piece flow. Yeah. So the idea, if you want a product that is differentiated and, 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 and varied, and to the likes of the customer you're not going to produce a batch of it. Yeah. And when you have an order, you produce it quickly and you organize to produce things quickly to order, which means you don't carry inventory, which is a factor of waste. Yeah. The very same is true in IT. Because if you have a very slow release cadence, what happens is people work on code that is getting shelved. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an inventory at the end of the day. Yeah. And... And in, in, in lean term, it's very ineffective because you're creating inventory. And that inventory may go bad because the needs change, uh, or something else comes along and, and does, is not compatible with it. And there's plenty of reasons for that. And in in agile terms, you're not learning. You created something you're not learning from. Yeah. So this is effectively a downstream constraint. And unless you can resolve that, your you know, and, and that's the principle of the theory constraint, the rest of the system subordinates to that constraint. So your learning is slower, you know, your inventory is bigger, the potential of it going wrong is higher, the number of things like this. So, yes, that's a constraint to resolve. And, it's, you know, there was a, Back in the days, uh, there was a bank in the UK that went really big about Agile. Yeah. And they wanted Agile coaches. And they had a crazy amount of Agile coaches. And they went to us. I was in a consultancy. We want Agile coaches. Can you bring us Agile coaches? So it didn't make sense. We said, well, we can bring you an Agile coach, but we should actually bring you a DevOps person as well because it's important. And he didn't want to hear that. And, and then you know, a few months down the line, the agile transformation was all the managers, because they were incentivized on their bonus for agile, they were all ticking the box that we're doing sprint, we're doing this, but yeah. nothing had changed. Yeah, yeah yeah. And fundamentally, the bottom you know, the, the downstream constraint is what comments the rest. So yes, we should worry about downstream constraints because it, will, it is the one that will enable the rest. It's a limiting constraint. Yeah. Now, once you have that, there are enabling constraints as well at the other end, which today, the concept of projects is a problem. And, and you need to think about projects in a different way. Projects are fundamentally the evolution of the products you have the software products you have. And how can we have journeys where we're going to deliver value along it? We're going to actually de-risk the software delivery along it. And we're going to learn. And we're also going to give ourselves the possibility to deprioritize work that we've done enough on and to reprioritize work that is becoming now urgent. And and that's where you start combining lean and agile together. And the executive should should care about having that ability downstream because if they don't, the rest cannot function that way. But when it starts doing that, they need to think are we feeding the system not with something that is a big blob, yeah, and a big batch, (laughs) and and actually. That becomes really rigid in itself with people losing sight of why they're doing that and just focusing on delivering all that and that's the mindset that they need to change at the work in in inception and the enabling constraint is to say and to create mechanisms like the lean portfolio management where you're going to think about Yes, we want to get there. And and let's all be clear about this. What is the best move we can make now? What can we have in a month? What can we have in three months? That works. That proves things. That starts delivering useful value to the users. And concentrate on that. That's that's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Because it means that for the leadership, they used to I give you this money and you give me certainty of getting this result.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Now what we're saying is, we're going to elevate the certainty to you. Yep. And, and it's not the people taking a commitment or whatever anymore. But we're going to have frequent increments that that deadline date doesn't matter so much. Yeah. Because by that date, you may actually have 90% of what you wanted anyway. And the most important things you wanted or you may have 120 percent yeah or you may already have moved on to something else and and that's the thing you know people don't don't appreciate that agile is really good also at managing risks you know, a lot of people talk about value but it's also managing risk Indeed. we can create this this funny thing about the watermelon project Green on the outside, red on the inside. <laughs> so yeah. they get painted green for a long time. Yeah. And, and actually everybody working on them knows that it's not going to happen. Yeah. But what we show and, and we you know lure ourselves to think that we can still make it. And and from an executive standpoint, it's like, okay, it's green, I don't care about it. Yeah, yeah, and then it becomes amber. Hmm, what's happening there? And and by the you know, two weeks later, it's red. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And and by the time they barely recorded that, oh, it, it, there's a blip of an amber. What's happening? Boom, it's red now. And then it's a whole problem. It's one month, one year delayed, and so on.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's typical. Absolutely typical. And an agile journey, you know, they may not value the whole things around agile or creating value along the way but it's a fantastic way to de-risk. Yeah, exactly. Because software delivery in the end of the user does not lie. If we create a journey that is about increments that the users will use, and we see how those increments unfold to the full product at the end, then basically there's no lying. Mm. Have we done those increments? Mm. Are they working? Is it meeting the needs? Do we need to actually rethink what we thought was true and what wasn't? Mm. And, and that allows to actually unfold the complexity of a project if you approach it from a product perspective. And, and that, that is another major things uh, senior leadership needs to worry about is how do they adapt all the mechanisms to align? Because you know, the whole enterprise is, is budgets. So the budgeting mechanism is aligning for that. You know, the the, the reward and recognition mechanism is to align. The performance mechanism needs to align. So all those things change, and that's why it's so hard. Yeah. That's why it's so hard.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're nearly out of time, um, which I regret greatly, as I often do, with my guest, because it's been a wonderful journey. I love the way that you've taken us through the personal side of it but we're now bringing in techniques and, and and but also understanding really what change is all about and how it's hard and examining why it's hard and why you need new tools and i, I know in the background you've got kinefin and we could talk about wardley maps and what have you but i think you just brilliantly encompassed the whole transformation thing
1: there. i think it's it's where you know uh, the important thing is all those things really are there is an emotional attachment, an emotional journey to do with them. And that's where coaching plays a lot.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: then there are tools and techniques at different levels of the organization and tools and techniques that connect people together, vertically or horizontally, business and technology and leadership and teams. And that allows them to collaborate on strategy that allows them to collaborate on are we gonna execute on the strategy? Are we gonna take increments? Yeah. That allows them to actually, one wonderful thing we haven't talked about is the ability to actually do continual improvement. Yes. You know, It's not about the small improvement necessarily. It's about the ability of continually improving, engaging people when they do the work or they're critical about what they can improve. When you have organization that can improve themselves permanently It's a fantastic place to be. So all those things are the ways to put it in practice and balancing that as a coaching journey of individuals, coaching journeys of teams and techniques and so on that they can bring into play and the importance of simple things sometimes to actually make that work in the real life of of delivering digital experiences, digital software. And and yes, that that balance, and it's not so much about a method that is going to get you there. It's yeah. it's about bringing the both parts together and mixing them into an experience for the companies going through change.
0: Exactly, Philip. Thank you so much for for exposing all of that to us and, and taking us through it so very gracefully and so very carefully. Um, if people want to get hold of you, what's the best way to contact you, Philip?
1: up in mean, linkedin my my email as well uh my website um www.enco.co.uk um I'm, we can also work together so yourself you know? absolutely i was going to say uh, I'd, be, I'd be very happy about that yeah we... and
0: uh, so I, and, it is- uh,
1: I run as well a meetup uh called digital leadership in london Uh, so if you look onto uh, meetup.com digital leadership uh, it's it's community sessions that started with the idea of resharing things into the community Uh, but now it's it's more about getting community as much as possible we try and have meetups that also workshops where we have a theme where we bring some expertise but at the same time the community brings how it's happening for them and yeah. their expertise. And it yeah. becomes a melting pot a mix where we stimulate diversity of thinking there. And I think, um, yeah, that, that's, that's the way I think. There's no sage here. We're all learning. <laughs> and even when you learnt a lot, you still have to learn a lot. You still have so, to learn a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I, that's the one thing I did learn. <laughs> Try <and forget. laughs> How much you forget and how much you got to learn is uh, in an equal measure philip so much really appreciate the time um as we say in podcast world uh, you can get on philip through linkedin uh and you can contact me where we've got a number of associates with the same sort of thoughts uh, i'm Gill at agilitybynature.com or you can catch me up on linkedin i think we might have to have another recording about some of uh, philip's training and coaching offerings as well so we can have a bit more detail about that in the meantime it's got to Elevens, which means for me, Philippe, a cup of tea and maybe a biscuit to, re- to renew my blood sugars after that. Thank you so much and, and have a lovely weekend.
1: Thank you. Likewise. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Pleasure.